You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. As I stated earlier, um, when it comes to our text, it really lines up with 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 again states, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Or breaking it down, imitate the pastor as the pastor imitates Christ. It's a simple verse that every true church of God should adhere to. Pastor should make it his business to follow Christ. Leadership should make it their business to follow the pastor. And laity uh, members of the church should make it their business to follow leadership. And when this takes place, everybody in the church is in the will of God. And the best place to be and the safest place to be is in God's will. When we are in the will of God, Satan cannot touch us in the manner that he desires. When we're in the will of God, it doesn't matter what type trials we're facing. We can say with assurance, Romans 8 and 28, despite what I'm going through, everything is going to work out for my good because I love God or I am in the will of God. And it's it's important to understand um, that As church members, you shouldn't fight your pastor. Don't fight your pastor. Even when your pastor teaches or preaches certain things that may step on your toes. Well, if I don't fight my pastor, what should I do? Follow your pastor. Take on the traits or characteristics of your pastor As long as your pastor is following Jesus. And of course, when it comes to Jesus, you you have to understand who Jesus is from a biblical standpoint. Biblically, according to John 14 and 6, Jesus is the way, truth, and life. Biblically, according to John 1, 1 through 3, and 1 and 14, Jesus is first God. 
Because John 1 and 1 starts off by saying, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John 1 and 14 says, And the Word, or Jesus, manifested. The Word became flesh. Jesus manifested. So when you follow your pastor, your following, no, not the physical Christ here on earth, but you're following the Word of God. You're not following uh, just the written Word of God. You're following the manifested or the revealed Word of God. You're following a Word that, that's going to have you living by what the Bible calls faith. Because when it comes to the will of God or the righteousness of God, it is revealed. And it has to be revealed because it is, again, Christ. That's the reason Romans 1 and 17 says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith and closes out by saying, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The pastor is exemplifying characteristics of Christ. Leadership is exemplifying characteristics of the pastor. And then laity are walking in the same steps as leadership. And so ultimately, everybody is in the will of God. And again, when it comes to Colossians 4 and 12, we, we have a person that imitated his pastor the way every church member should. And it's obvious, again, because of, of the traits of the person. Now, I'm going to deal with the traits that are mentioned in the text, but it's important to understand a trait that is not mentioned in the text in reference to Epaphras. The trait being the meaning or meanings of his name. And we know from a biblical standpoint that when a person was given a name, that person was expected to reflect the meaning of his or her name. To be a mirror image of what his or her name meant. Jesus. Jesus equates Savior. When you read about Jesus in Scripture, you see the Savior. Christ means anointed one. When you see Jesus operating in power, you recognize that he was not just a regular teacher, a preacher. He was an anointed preacher. He was a teacher that walked in authority of power. To the point to where folks said at, at one service about him, he's not like the scribes, the elders, the Pharisees. Oh, he, he's different because when he teaches, he teaches with authority. He doesn't have a made-up script. He allows the Spirit of God to give him what? To say and to do. 
And so when it comes to the meanings of this man's name in the text, the first meaning is charming. And the reason that's a pastoral trait is because a pastor has to be charming or pleasant. Nobody wants to set up on the mean pastor. I said nobody wants to set up on the mean pastor. I'm about to wake them up sooner or later over here. Sooner or later, we're going to have to have a wake-up call over there. His name is twofold. Second meaning of second meaning of his name is lovely. A delightful person. A person that strives to get along with people. And so you will understand why when it comes to the text, because of the meaning of his name, why he exemplifies traits that are mentioned in the text. Now notice the first trait that Paul mentions in, in reference to him is he was a bond servant of Christ. Paul knew without question that, that he had became a voluntary slave of Jesus to the point to where what Jesus wanted him to think, that's what he thought. What Jesus wanted him to say, that's what he said. What Jesus wanted him to do, that's what he did. He didn't fight the will of God. Because you know some folk complain about what God would have them think, say, and do. Woo! Let me go over here and just sit for a minute. You know some folk, they just don't want to think, talk, and do according to the will of God. What y'all think about that? We got an L over there. And the minister of music over there. And a principal of all folk over there. And they just as quiet as can be. But nevertheless, he was a bond servant of Christ. And a bond servant is, is no simple way to put what it means. He, he was a slave. See, when, when you become Christian, you have to first and foremost, after salvation, say that Jesus is my Lord. He is my master. And what are you? Slave. Oh, we can dress it up and say you're a servant. But when, when you look in the original meaning of bond servant, it is in fact a slave. That means the master tells you what to think. The master tells you what to say. And the master tells you what to do. Master tells you that and he gives you a manual to follow. He was a bond servant of Christ. So if he was a bond servant of Christ, not only uh, was he a person that knew exactly what to think, say, and do, he was also anointed. You can't be connected to Christ in truth and not be anointed. Why? Because Christ is the anointed one. And in order to do real ministry, you have to have an anointing upon your life. It's a whole lot of folk that can quote scripture from Genesis, the Revelation. But if a demon or the devil shows up, 
that person would be in a whole lot of trouble because he or she is not anointed. You have to have the anointing. Why? Because the anointing does two primary things. It first and foremost destroys yokes of bondage. But secondly, it empowers you to do exactly what you need to do. It empowers you to walk in what God has ordained for you to walk in. And so he was anointed of God. And, 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 in, and in the church... Members need to be anointed and not just depend on the pastor to pray for them as well as others. You got some folks, somebody asked them, can you pray for me? They got to go and get the pastor. They got to go get the L or go get somebody. But when members understand that they are to be anointed because of being bond servants of Christ, they will be ready to pray for folk when folk need to be prayed for. They will be ready to tell folks the truth about God when folks need to hear the gospel. Am I talking truth? The next trait, according to the text, he was friendly. Now, now notice Paul was writing the letter to the Colossians, and, and he brought up Ephara's name. He brought his name up. And Paul said, he greets you. He was a friendly person. You know, you got some mean folk in the church. You, you, you. You got some uppity folk in the church. Yeah, you had, you got uppity folk in the church that think they too nigh to, think, think they too high to speak to folk. You got these uppity folk that don't even like to say amen, even though amen mean I agree with it, so be it. But you have folk like that that should be praising the Lord in church, should be amening the word, but they won't ever sit there like they can't even talk. He greeted folk. He greeted folk. While Paul was writing, Paul, he was like, hey, hey, Paul, tell him I said, hey. wanted them to know. You have to be friendly in church. Even if somebody is unfriendly to you, you still need to be friendly. I, I, I love to talk to folks after I, done, after I done minister the hard message. You know, you know you be done preach something that I stepped on some toes. I, I, I love to talk to folks after a message like that. To let them know, look, I still love you. I was just doing my assignment. I was just doing what God told me to do. So don't go home and talk about me over dinner. Don't go home and, and, and be mad because of this, that, and the other. I was just doing my assignment. Come here, give me a hug. He was a bond servant. But he knew how to humble himself and greet people. Yeah, and that's a pastoral trait. A pastor has to be a friendly person. 
Yeah. yeah. Ain't nobody going to follow nobody that ain't friendly. He don't never smile. Who going to follow somebody that don't ever smile? See, now y'all, all y'all quiet now. Was Jesus a happy person? Yeah. Yeah. Did Jesus love to help people? Yes. To the point to where he, he was determined, even when there was no convenience stores, no grocery stores, or no other type stores around, he was determined that he was going to feed folk because they had been with him all day. And his disciples hadn't learned to be friendly. Jesus said, look, we need to feed these folks. His disciples said, no, just let them go. Let them go. Let them go. Jesus said, but they've been here all day with me. I don't want to send them away hungry. He was, he was that type of person. He cared for folk. To the point to where he caused a miracle to happen. Just so folk wouldn't leave hunger. He was friendly. I got to move on, but just ask, ask your neighbor, are you a friendly church member? His, his next trait was that he labored fervently for his church. He labored fervently for his church in prayer. And he did it all the time. Look at this text again. I want y'all to miss that. Look, look at that little word, always. Look at it. Let me read it one more time. I need y'all to see this. See, the pastor don't need to be the only one praying for the, for the church. But this is something that the pastor should do. Look at what it, what it says here. Always laboring fervently for you. Help me. How often? It speaks about him being steadfast. Always laboring. Didn't have no pics who he, who he was praying for. And Paul knew it. Paul said he was praying for the church. And I'm going to tell you something. If you are a member of a church long enough, it's going to be some folks that you're going to find out that don't really care about you in the church. Yeah. See, some of y'all are trying to play now. And see, some of you shouldn't be playing with stuff like that because some of us will allow folk that really don't want a whole lot to do with you that's a member of the church. You will allow them to cause your attitude to change when you see them. Now, you don't do that for folk. If, if they want to be nasty, they want to be mean, they want to be messy, you let them do that, but you still say hey to them. And get this. And you pray for them. Remember what Jesus dropped on his disciples? He, he said, pray for your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. They take advantage of you, but pray for them anyhow. They like to ask you for stuff, but they never do anything for you, but pray for them anyhow. 
And, and so notice again, he was always laboring fervently for his church. I, I'll never forget um, this man that used um, to belong to the church. And uh, while he was a member at the church, I would ask him to do certain things. Never would do anything. Never. Never would do it. I said, look, why don't you uh, become part of the health ministry? I said, that would be some, a good place for you to start and you'll be able to meet people. So forth. I don't feel led to do that. I said, okay, well, I'm just trying to make sure that, that you're busy doing something for the Lord. Get this. All of a sudden, this major evangelist comes to Atlanta. And so, this major evangelist sent ladders to churches saying that uh, he needed ushers. He needed people to help with the crusade. Now, guess how I found out about it? The one I had been trying to get to usher at the church came in with the ladder and said, Pastor, I'm, I'm trying to recruit some folk to usher at such and such crusade. And I, I said, well, what are you going to do at it? I'm going to be one of the lead ushers at the crusade. The Bible say, be angry, sin not. At that moment, I got angry. I didn't sin, but I told him three cents of what was on my mind. Just three cents. I could have went to ten, but just three cents of what was on my mind. I said, how in the world are you going to go and usher there, and you won't even do it here. If you do it, don't come back to the church. And seen him since. Ain't that a blessing? And I meant it. I said, don't come back to the church. Told you three cents. That's all I gave. Don't come back to the church. Then ask him why he was doing it. And just ask him, how can you do something there and not do it in your own church? Bottom line, he was not a legitimate member. And he needed to go. Point blank. Go. He labored fervently in prayer for his, for his church. Is it anything wrong with praying for the world, praying for other churches? No. But it needs to start at home. See, that, that's the lesson we get from Jesus himself. See, see, Jesus, before he even thought about ministering to Gentiles... He ministered to the Jews. He even told folk 
that, that ask him for help. Look, I am just sent to the house of Israel. He knew that his ministry would expand. He knew that before he left, he would minister to Gentiles. But he also knew that he needed to start at home. And see, here in the text, you see the same trait of Epaphras. He knew that he needed to pray for his home church. He knew it. And he did so according to James 5 and 16. He labored fervently in prayer. Why did he labor fervently in prayer? Why was he steadfast like that in prayer? Because James 5 and 16 says in part, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. He didn't, he didn't just pray for his church just for some things to happen. He wanted great things to happen for his church. And every legitimate member of a God-ordained church should pray that great things happen in their church. That God causes much to manifest in the life of the saints of his church. You have some folk that, that only want, that only want certain ones to get blessed in the church. But a legitimate member wants everybody to be blessed in church. Likewise, a pastor, a pastor will never be satisfied to be the only one in the church that receives the bounty of God. No, a legitimate pastor will pray and say, Lord, thank you for blessing me, but please, Lord, let what you've been doing to me fall on the brothers. Let it fall on the sisters. Let it fall on the families. Let it fall in the north, the south, the east, and the west. One of my greatest prayers for a place of refuge. Lord, before you bless me, start blessing the folk. Start blessing the folk, Lord. Start getting them off welfare. Start doing this, that, and the other for And Lord, then bless me. I love for folk to come to a place of refuge and, and they notice that it ain't just the pastor being blessed. It ain't just two or three folk being blessed. They see folk all over the sanctuary that God has blessed bountifully. Why? Because Jesus just didn't come for Walker to have abundant life. John 10, 10 is clear. The thief comes not before the steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundant. Jesus wants everybody blessed. And a good pastor wants everybody blessed. And good members want everybody blessed. It's sad when members be looking for bad to happen to other members. I hope she don't get it. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I know she talking about she want a house. I hope she don't get that house up there. I hope somebody else get that house before she get. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to quit being low down with your dirty self. 
You know that ain't right. Say to your neighbor, I want to see all God's folk blessed. I do. I've been saying that for over 30 years. I want to see God's folk blessed. Now, now, Paul revealed specific things in reference to why the brother was praying fervently. He wanted the church of Colossae to stand. Now, he wanted them to stand in, in certain ways, two ways. And I'm gonna deal with that, but I but I need to take just a moment to talk about the word stand in reference to the text. The word stand, first of all, means to be steadfast. He was laboring fervently in prayer because he wanted the church to stand. Ought to be steadfast. See, see, the one thing a church never needs to be is up and down. I'm, I'm gonna tell you one one of the most frustrating things that that I ha- have seen from a pastoral standpoint is pastors that one minute they're doing this, and the next minute they're doing that. I mean, just up, down, up, down. I'm talking pastors. Because, see, I know if a pastor is just up, down, up, down, going in circles, members going to be up, down, going in circles. If a pastor is weak need, he's going to have weak need members. Maybe not all. I know a pastor, excuse me, pastors, I got to talk about it for a minute. He was a wimp. He was a wimp. And you didn't have to have spiritual discernment to know that he was a wimp. And and so I've watched this pastor for years. I'd be like, man. This boy ain't got no backbone. I said, Lord. I said, why not come to these folks stay with him? They ain't got no backbone. And I said, how in the world can he even call himself a pastor? And his wife got him like a dog with a collar. And just telling him to go here, there, here, there. Now stop right there. Sit. And so I I looked at the congregation and, and lo and behold... It was all over the congregation. 
I said, Lord, you done put me somewhere where the spirit of Jezebel just done took over. I said, he's not standing. He's not steadfast. He's, he's being a well. See, like it or not, women, I know we're we in modern times, but like it or not, the Bible says the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. I don't believe no real woman won't no weak man. I can't get too many women to help me over here. I said, I don't believe no weak, no real women won't no weak man. What my wife felt. Let me look at her. She got her hand up. I needed to make sure. Oh, she know I ain't no wimp. And if you know me, you know I ain't no wimp. He wanted them to be able to stand. But in order for them to be able to stand, the pastor had to be standing. Why? Because remember again, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, leadership has to imitate the pastor as the pastor imitates Christ. Was Christ a wimp? No. No. He was a man of authority. He was a man that walked in power, walked in the anointing. Now, is a, is a man supposed to treat his wife like she is a child? No. No. A man like that ain't a real man. A man is to respect his wife. Ephesians 5 talk about how when you want to see what a real man is, a real man will take care of his wife. Get this, the same way he takes care of his body. That means if, if, if he look good, his wife going to look good. If he smell good, his wife going to smell good. If, if he's spending money to do this, that, and the other, he, his wife going to have money to spend to do this, that, and the other. So don't think I'm talking about a man that treat his wife like she low down. No, a man that treat his wife the right way. But he prayed that the church would stand. And again, to stand, first of all, means to be steadfast. Secondly, to stand means to be united a one. See, he knew that the church had to be one. The church has to be one because according to Matthew 12 and 25, if a house or a church is divided, it's not going to be productive. It's not going to be productive for two reasons according to the verse. Desolation is going to happen. And then it's going to fall. And if a church is falling. Falling is a portrait of being unproductive. Desolation is a portrait of not only being empty, but unhappy. And so if a church is going to be one, a church has 
to be productive in every aspect of life. Has to be productive. Has to think God, talk God, and do according to the word of God if it's going to be one. You can't have the pastor saying one thing and members saying something else. You can't have the pastor believing that better is here and better is coming and members talking about this is the worst day of my life. Why? Because a house divided is not going to stand. See, even if worse happening, you got to know that worse is here, but it ain't going to stand because better is coming. He wanted the church, his church, Colossae, to stand. And he wanted them to stand two ways. Number one, he wanted them to stand complete. He wanted them to stand complete. One simple definition for complete. Based upon the based upon the word in the text, he wanted them to be mature. See, see, one 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 of the saddest things about some churches, you have folks that have been in the church fifteen years, but act like they just got saved. That's one of the saddest things. You'd be like, she's been in the church fifteen years and she still get mad like that. Why she mad at that? That girl just got saved. Why she got an attitude with that girl? She just got saved. And she been in church for 20 years, but she mad at her? Yeah, she mad at her. What in the world are you, you grown? Person being mad at a two-week-old baby. That's stupid. She's been saved two weeks and you mad at her and you've been in the church 15 years. Tearing up a baby. But she 34. We ain't talking little. We talking in God. It has to be to the point to where the church becomes mature. Every time a word is proclamated, members should adhere to the word. Should allow the word to become a part of their makeup, their thoughts, their words, and their deeds in order to become mature. See, the Bible says to even babes, but, but it does not stop once you uh, get grown. This is what the word says. As, as babes in the Lord desire the sincere milk, of the word that you may grow there by. But see, that principle should never stop. It just needs to start with babies. But see, Jesus himself said, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness should be filled. He didn't say babes. He said those. See, as long as you are in God's church, you should have a hunger for the word. You should look forward to what the anointed man or woman of God is going to teach or preach. You should always want to hear the word. 
You should always be excited about God's word. Who am I talking to? Are you excited about the word? Shout at somebody. He's talking about me. But he also wanted them to be perfect. He wanted them to be perfect in that they needed to be fully equipped. Mature and fully equipped. Don't want to be a deacon but don't even know three scriptures about what it is to be a deacon. You, you don't see pastors that, that you wonder, how do he a pastor and he that dumb? And he's supposed to be feeding folk knowledge and understanding, but he, he, how in the world he going to do that as dumb as he is? See, I'm saying what y'all be thinking when y'all go certain places or be around certain folk. And, 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 and get this, it, it's that way in the church and outside the church. Man, I, I have talked to doctors and I've been, man, you got to be a fool to let that man operate on you. He a surgeon? Who, who let him operate on that? As stupid as he is, who going to let him take a knife and open? Her attitude, she a nurse. You think she gonna come in here and take my blood pressure? As nasty as she is? Oh, no. Even in the church, you need to be fully equipped. You, you ever notice some folk tell me, the Lord lead me to lay hand. You ain't gonna put your hand on me. And some folk put their head down for <laughs> For anybody to lay hands on. And see, some of us who like to go to all kinds of churches, you ain't equipped right. Because if you equip right, you just anybody can't feed you. I said just anybody can't feed you. It's just like in the natural. I don't eat I don't eat everywhere. Do you? You got something, we're going to try such and such. No, I don't eat everywhere. And when I do show up at a restaurant, I'm sniffing to see what's, what's what. Get this. He wanted them to stand complete and perfect, but notice in what? All. The will of God. He wanted them to the point to where they, they, they were mature that when they got to going through trials, they would know instead of crying like a little baby boy or girl, they would count it all joy. He wanted them to the point to where even though they were battling financially, that, that when they showed up at church and when it was time to bring God his tithes and offerings, even though they were banned, they were going to make sure that God got his money. He wanted them to stand complete and perfect in the will of God. You know this boy had the traits of a genuine pastor. Am I right? 
I'm also done. Let's get the Lord a big hand of praise. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.